This is where hit music lives. RX Radio. Groove Cafe. It is the Groove Cafe on RX Radio and I am Crystal. Always excited to chat with my guests, learn something new and hear their stories. My guest today is an aviation logistics and engineering apprentice currently working with Airtech Global and Aviation Maintenance Company operating out of Ginger. She's also participating in the apprenticeship engineering program. She is passionate about replanting forests in Uganda, so I know that she and my mom would get along very, very well. Ladies and gentlemen, I do have Comfort Mulomi joining me on the Groove Cafe today. Hello, Comfort. Hi, Crystal. How are you doing? I am well. How are you? That was quite an introduction. <laughs> I hope it covered a little bit of what you're doing because I know there's more. <laughs> yes, pretty much that's the stuff that I'm doing. So are you uh, in Ginger at the moment? Is that where you, you live and work? Yes, okay. that is where I live now. Mm-hmm. How is that going? Um, it was quite uh, a change, okay. I can say, because um, I've never lived in, in Ginger. Okay. Uh, the move from Entebbe to Ginger was quite the thing. <laughs> because that, these are two different places, two different kinds of people, and... Yeah, I had to move. It's work. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. So before mm-hmm. that, you were in Entebbe. Yes. Okay. Uh, did you grow up in Entebbe, though? No. Um, I grew up uh, in different places here and there. Um, born in Iganga district. And then I moved to Kampala for school. Okay. Um, I went to Mkona Parents High School. Mm-hmm. And then I started working in Entebbe. Okay. Yes. Okay. I mean, you did study industrial and organizational psychology, psychology. right? Psychology. Yes, okay. Yes, yes. So, how did we end up in Entebbe? <laughs> that is a million dollar question. Um, I've never seen myself working at a desk. Okay. But psychology sounded interesting at the moment when we were filling out uh, forms. And so I filled it out and then I had a few friends that were doing psychology. And I thought, yeah, it's a good thing to just fill out and boom, Mm -hmm. I have my course. Mm -hmm. And this is what I'm doing. I must say if I were to choose then, Mm -hmm. I would probably have chosen MDD. (laughs) (laughs) MDD? Yes. Music, dance and drama. Mm-hmm. Because I have a passion for stuff like that. Okay. I'm not a sit-down person. So you like to be anyway. out and about on the move. Mm-hmm. I like to actually be doing something. Okay. So you kind mm-hmm. of are like in engineering now, right? Yes. How did we cross over? I need to understand. So were you working before you graduated or you graduated and then life changes happened? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I have the sequence that everyone thinks is the um, correct sequence in life. Mm-hmm. So I get into school, second year I get pregnant, mm-hmm. and now I'm pregnant and I had school. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of branch off a bit, mm-hmm. do some marriage kind of thing. But okay. I still was at school. Um, I finished school, now I am married, um, mm-hmm. rather cohabiting. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And with child. 
and that also somehow along the way failed. Mm-hmm. Now I'm a single mother with two children and yeah. Okay. So it's not like the correct sequence that I've been through that is pretty much so many people that I know though. Okay. Mm-hmm. But um bouncing back from psychology to actually now interest in engineering is basically me I think trying to prove a point to the world to myself because mm. the one thing that really really pushes me is when someone thinks I cannot do something then I'm going to do my best to do it mm. <laughs> and then also one of my driving forces is to look at something that is complicated and think that I cannot do it so here I am mm-hmm. um, I'm not going to go through all the jobs that I did but specifically the engineering I start working with a an aviation company in their logistics department. Okay. Mm-hmm. So being there I look at engineers and I admire them. I mean, yeah, they're making these things fly. It's quite interesting <laughs> to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole thing and then it's a dirty job. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I, I want to do that. So I started developing interest. Uh, started touching up a few of the ground uh, equipment in the warehouse where I was working. Mm-hmm. And that is how I picked interest in engineering. So oh, after wow. a couple of years, uh-huh. I asked my bosses, hey, can I actually touch aircraft? <laughs> can you let me play with them? And <laughs> they were kind enough. I'm sure you to... <laughs> didn't put it that way because you're scaring actually, us now. I did. You did. I did. Mm-hmm. Can I play with them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was more like to begin with it was playing can you tie this for me can you do this for me and mm-hmm. then it's interesting to just put stuff together and actually work your way through making something fly that is how I joined engineering yeah that's fascinating it sounds like number one your personality is you're a very strong person like uh uh-uh, don't tell me i can't do it i'm gonna prove you wrong and that always takes someone really far in life so good on you Thank you. Mm-hmm. So your family, I'm sure, were they surprised by this change or what you're doing now? Um, my father would not have been surprised. Why? Were uh, you always hands-on um, when you were growing up? Um, you can say that. I grew up with boys. Ah. <laughs> so <laughs> okay, I'm yeah. in between boys. I'm a middle child, number five. My dad had 11. So mm-hmm. I am a middle child, proper. Whoa, that's and a big family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I follow a boy <laughs> and the boy follows me so you can guess the in between uh-huh. there's a lot of fighting there's a lot of toys to play with that are boyish mm-hmm. and stuff like that and just generally mm-hmm. having a big family isn't something that you it's always you're always scrambling for something especially when you're in the middle mm-hmm. like you're not like oh my god I had a baby you're just right in the middle. <laughs> you're not the last born. You're not the first born. <laughs> so there's not excitement from parents, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So okay. because you're in the middle, it's just it builds your character a certain way. If you actually look at the middle children, they're problem solvers. They're kind of like I gotta get this because that is just the uh, that is how we've grown up. We are just right in the middle. Mm. You know, if that you know what I'm talking about. That makes a lot of sense. About. A lot of mm-hmm. sense. Also mm-hmm. very. Very strong, <laughs> very mm-hmm. determined. At least what yeah. I see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So your father mm-hmm. wouldn't be surprised. You grew up with boys. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing by the time you finished, um, did you manage to, because you said, you know, at some point you got pregnant and you started a relationship. Were you able to go back and finish at McCary? 
Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Actually, never left school. Oh, okay. Um, I was pregnant at school. I missed the exams for my final year, but that was pretty much it. Um, I was in hospital giving birth, and the exams <laughs> were happening. Okay. So that is how I missed my exams. But uh, the next year, I just went sat for my exams. I didn't have to redo the whole thing. I just sat for my exams, and I got a second class upper. Well yeah. done, you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so you have two boys. Yes, I do have two How boys. How old are they? Uh, Eleven. One is uh, he's actually turning twelve in April, and the other is eight. Mum mm, of boys, mm. but mm-hmm. but a bonus of two girls. You've adopted two <laughs> girls. What does that mean? The, those are my brother's children. So ah. my kids were like, "Mom, we need a sister," and blah blah blah. I'm like, ah, really? So no I don't have any more children. And they, yeah, they said no pressure, but yeah, we need someone to play with, and they don't exactly like each other. Mm. That's pretty much all the kids that follow each other. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so. Ah, I got my brother's girls. I'm like, here you are, girls. <laughs> well, that's good for you because uh, raising boys yeah. can be quite interesting. You have the balance mm. of the girls as well. Yeah. Okay. So, so mm. tell me about your passion for planting, you know, trees. I mentioned my mom. She's so passionate. She gets so mad when she sees a big tree cut down somewhere. <laughs> she's like, she's emotionally invested. But yeah. I mean, you've done a lot of work when it comes to replanting forests in Uganda. How did you start? Um, so a friend of mine, that was actually towards COVID, I think. Mm-hmm. He comes up and tells me about this tree planting initiative mm-hmm. in Buikwe district. Okay. And um, I kind of got interested in, because I love the environment. I love nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love a quiet place and everything that represents serenity. Mm. That is the environment. And yeah, like your mom, I am very, very, I'm a very passionate person. Like if I see you drop garbage in a taxi, out of a taxi, I'm going to say something. I usually <laughs> throw it back always, in. <laughs> yeah, I'm going I'm to be like, really at your age you're doing that? Yeah, mm-hmm. at least if you want to get it back inside, mm-hmm. you'll at least feel the pinch of me telling you that's the wrong thing to do. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm that passionate. So when this opportunity came, I just jumped on the wagon. Um, I mean, I had the means, mm-hmm. I had some money that I could spare to that, and then we started planting. So um, I also talked to my friend who I was working with uh, then, Chris, Chris Hedgrave, mm-hmm. and he actually also jumped on board, and we started investing, buying trees, and we have people down there who are taking care of the trees, mm-hmm. because the one annoying thing about this is um, people do cut down trees without emotion. Yeah. At all. They feel nothing. They don't. Because even when we are trying to replant this forest, mm. you still find people trying to take out the trees that you've planted so they can put cassava or matoke or something like that. Yeah. And there's there's only so much government can do mm-hmm. to stop them because they cannot police everyone. True. It is something that I, I feel everyone should jump on board with because yeah, we do need these trees. We, really we do, do need the environment secure and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is. All we can do is do our best and see what happens. Okay. For that particular, how long was that? You planted, what, about 40 acres worth of trees with the government? Yeah. 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 We, we're actually going up together. We've, uh, we, we might be in about maybe 50 or 60 acres right now. Wow. We just keep, uh, in, yeah, we just keep 
uh, planting as much as we can. Mm-hmm. I like that you mm-hmm. you mentioned that people feel nothing. They don't ever think Mm-mm. about the consequences, how it affects the environment, and how it even affects you on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would you say? Because I mean, the fact that you can do that by putting in your time and effort that means that nearly everyone can do a little something. Mm? It is just actually a little something. One tree. I mean, if you cut, yeah, we understand, but try to plant something else so that the generations to come have something. Um, on my way to my village, there's a place that uh, had, um, how do they call them in English? Emivule mm-hmm. is what? Oh, God, English has failed Which me. One? But, mm-hmm. Emivule. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So you mean like the indigenous <laughs> trees? Yes. Okay. So we've grown up going through this place mm-hmm. and there's like so many trees. And uh, in Lugwere, it's more like uh, when, when you reach Emivule, you're almost home. Mm. And that was us growing up, going to the village. That okay. was like a landmark. They were just by the roadside. Uh-huh. And it was beautiful. Right now, there's nothing. And it mm-hmm. is so sad that people cut them for timber, for firewood. For firewood. And these are things that we've grown up. They've been there. We actually didn't even plant them. Mm-hmm. We found them there. Thank you. Some of these trees are I am 100 years old. Yeah, I am 33, but I didn't. They're more than, they're really old. Mm-hmm. But someone found timber is more important and they just come and cut the trees down. So the local community is saying nothing. The local leaders are actually not saying anything because the whole place is now bare and There's no trees. Talk of Mabira Forest. Mm -hmm. That place used to be really, really thick. But when you go through it, you can literally see these lights. I remember there would be on your way to Ginger, there was a spot where it would get dark. Like Mm -hmm. literally dark. And you'd look on the sides of the road. You couldn't see anything. Now, you can see right through. That's what I keep saying. This is a fake. Because uh, they've cut out most of the deeper ends of the trees. And what we are seeing is just like uh, a map of the forest that used to be here. Mm, so there's no, it's, it's no, it's no longer the forest that you would be so proud of to call a forest. Mm-hmm. It's just like a bunch of trees. And, <laughs> That's yeah. a heartbreaking statement. No yeah. forest, just a bunch of trees. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's a lot that we need to do and I feel like we need to and sensitize the communities mm-hmm. and also get mm-hmm. them involved. Yeah. Okay. A little birdie told me that you're passionate about food and cooking. Is that true? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Like I am a jack of all trades. Sounds like it. <laughs> I do love to cook actually. Okay. When I'm home, I love to cook. I cook for... Um, I'm used to cooking for people. Uh, mm-hmm. that so you, you like to entertain as in entertain oh, yeah. and host that, that people? Is, that, is, that is also one of my passions. <laughs> when there is a function, just call comfort. She'll arrange the rest. Oh, nice. So <laughs> I am a, that invested. There's a little bit of events management and planning in you. A little. Yeah, not a little. <laughs> a lot? <laughs> that would be an understatement. Like literally... Call me in one day. I'll have called the photographer. I'll have called the events manager. I'll have called the catering team. I can literally have all these numbers at my fingertips. And oh yeah, the bride, you need a dress. You go to this person. Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Do you do Mm -hmm. this as a business as well or Mm -mm. a side hustle? Mm -mm. You just do it for passion. Yeah. Hmm. 
You know people are going mm-hmm. to look for you right now. Her name is Comfort Mulami. <laughs> <laughs> so I do it for the passion actually. Okay, okay. <laughs> and uh you also have a history of volunteer work which can be very oh, yeah. rewarding. When did you start volunteering? P7 vacation. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Who got you so, into that? My mom, my mom is into NGOs. Oh, okay. She's been working with non-government organizations for as long as I can remember. Uh-huh. So P7, I would actually go and I'm like, can I help? And uh, they were nice. They would let me type minutes. They would let me go to the villages and serve food when they have events and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's how I started. Small, small um, activities for people. But then the passion has grown. Mm. I generally love people. Um, it could be a good thing and a bad thing mm. with the current situation, seeing the best in people. Like when someone tells me something, my first instinct is, how can I hope? Yeah. Your first so, instinct is to believe them. Yeah. Yeah, to believe when them. There's some so, other people. The first <laughs> instinct is like, let me look for all the holes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That is not me. Mm. And yeah, trust me, it gets you in hot soup uh, sometimes. Mm. But for me, it is worth it. At the end of the day, it's not what you do to me or what you do with the hope that I offer. It's basically what I have done with my time, with my resources with my energy mm. if i am satisfied with that there's nothing that you can do i mean it's up to you what you do with my kindness is really really up to you it does not determine how i proceed in life yeah. that is how i have learned to mm-hmm. actually guide myself so if i give you money and for instance if i give you money what you do with that money is really really up to you mm-hmm. it's not up to me i have given it to you in good yeah. faith so whatever yes. you what do matters is, is really you gave you. it in good faith yes. thank you so much a lot of yes. people you know get so tied up in maybe things going wrong and then mm-hmm. i think they either fixate on that or they use it as an excuse not to help again not to give again mm-hmm. and that's not the spirit of giving no no mm-hmm Okay. Mm. Okay, comfort. So there are quite a few things that you like to do. You said you're a jack of all trades. Yes. What else? What else are you passionate about? Um uh, there's quite a bit. Like you say, <laughs> children. Uh-huh. I do love children. When I was growing up, I almost thought I would have my own um children's home. <laughs> Oh wow! Like, yeah, I would I do that because I'm just passionate about the innocence of children. Did you ever try, like, maybe to work with children? Um, I've actually not worked with children, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Surprise. But I knew growing <laughs> up that I was the nanny for all the children in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Everyone who was going somewhere, they would just bring the kid. Mm-hmm. comfort will sort them because I loved children I still do mm-hmm. and um, it is sad how the innocence of these children is being destroyed mm-hmm. like by what we adults keep showing them and a recent um, knowledge or whatever achieve, something that I picked up mm-hmm. being honest with children about what is going on is the best way to handle the current situation because a lot of stuff is taking the attention of children mm-hmm. and the parents or the responsible people in their lives are not talking uh, telling them the facts yeah so the innocence of children is actually just being destroyed like that 
for lack of information. They do not know because we as adults in their lives, the parents or the caregivers, Mm -hmm. we are primarily, we are viewed as the credible source of information and most of the people in these positions are actually not doing a good job. We do a good job hiding. How parenting, uh, the old kind of parenting is great. Mm-hmm. But it has to be matched up with the new because there's now new event, new technology, new everything. Mm-hmm. Or oh, back they then so you couldn't talk more. about sex. Yeah. But right now, if you do not talk about sex, then they're going to get information somehow. Yeah. A child would be 15 years and they do not know anything about sex right yeah. now. <laughs> two, three years in kindergarten, these kids know stuff. Yeah. So the parenting methods kind of have to change. And as a passion, again, um, I started writing a kid's book to talk about sexual matters. Mm-hmm. Like I'm still in the preliminary stages of trying to get it to where to a language that a child would understand, yes. but not giving away too much being or what you you understand striking a balance between actually telling them okay when someone touches you that is molestation Mm -hmm. report it or when this and this happens actually report it you should be able to confide in someone when stuff like this happens Mm -hmm. because when you actually see someone raping a two-month-old baby and there's kids around them well, I am actually really, really passionate about children. And yeah. if you just have to children, it kind of gets to me. Mm-hmm. So you're passionate about the protection of children. Yeah. What you said about being honest with children, mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like, I don't know, culturally or just just sometimes um, the fact that you're an adult, you think mm-hmm. that you don't need to be honest because you think maybe they can't handle the information. Mm-hmm. But honesty goes a long, long way because the moment they find out that you're lying... They actually lose trust in you as well. A lot yeah. of people. So their own parents, they're like, ah, ah, they won't tell us the truth. Mm-hmm. And people never think about that. No, it's something to think about. Because mm-hmm. even when you're fighting, kids feel it. Oh, yeah. They see it. They feel it. Because <laughs> when you're growing up, a bunch of most of the issues that we have as adults dealing with daddy issues, we're dealing with this. We, some of it, we actually saw it's in our memory, even though sometimes we don't even remember these memories. But somehow the decisions that we are making are based of the things that we saw growing up that were never addressed. And that is a huge, just walk up to anyone in the street. Mm-hmm. They're going through some sort of, you know, these things that we've just bottled up, we don't talk about it, we don't, but it's actually, it came from childhood and then it was imprinted into our systems and we failed to actually deal with it as adults. And when it comes to Africa, it's even worse because the Western country, people talk to counselors, schools have counselors where you go and talk to when you talk about counselors here in Uganda or in our schools, it's not the counseling that we're we mean we're looking at girls maybe who have had uh, who mm-hmm. have boyfriends. You know, we are looking I feel at like those it's more of damage major, control. Major There's no actual yes. counseling; it's just damage mm-hmm. control. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to deal with stuff. We yeah. don't even know where to go to deal with stuff. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, yeah. children are innocent and they just ask questions. And many times mm-hmm. the questions are uncomfortable. And you'd find like, let's say even with a couple, it's like, ah, go ask mommy. Then mommy's like, mm-hmm. ah, you go ask daddy. And the child is just confused in the middle or ask auntie so-and-so. And no one wants mm-hmm. to actually address it. From, mm-hmm. from childhood, you learn just not to ask. You learn to keep quiet as well. Avoid. Mm-hmm. You you just avoid the hard situations. We have mastered the art of avoiding. Aha. Uh-huh. There we go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, comfort. That got mm-hmm. deep for a second. But 
Thank you so much. And I feel your passion and I know where you're coming from. And you're absolutely right. Transparency, accountability, honesty. That is part of parenting. But a lot of people don't want to go there. No, this is the hard stuff. Yeah, it's the tough part. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me on the Groove Cafe today. It was absolutely a pleasure chatting with you. It was a pleasure actually having a chat with you. (laughs) Thank you. If someone would like to get in touch with you, is there any way they can do that? Can they find you online or on LinkedIn? Um, Yeah, yeah. My Facebook is uh, Comfy Michael. Comfy Michael, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how else? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn as well as Comfort Molomi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank Would you again be- for joining me, for sharing. And yeah, uh, take care of your babies, all your babies. I will. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much, Krista. Okay. Have a lovely day. You as well. Thank you. Groove Cafe.